What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in and checking out the Hustle the Most podcast. This is episode seven, and today we're going to talk about how two brothers can live in the same house, same opportunities, and go down two very different paths. Growing up, we had this detached garage next to my house that went through many iterations over the years. And when I was really little, it actually was kind of a red color, and it had this kind of thin metal roll-up door with these long white kind of ornamental banding pieces. You know, we kept normal stuff in our garage like everyone else, lawnmowers, bikes, balls, barbecue grills, whatever. My dad used to have these crazy barbecue parties with tons of people, and we would keep all the food and the drinks like on the patio. And we had these big metal um, like draining tubs, I guess, and it would be full of ice and be all kinds of beer and soda and all kinds of stuff in there. And my dad actually had this really crazy barbecue grill that one of his army buddies had made for him years and years ago. It was actually a 55-gallon steel drum that was cut in half with four legs welded onto it. And basically, would open it up, and the handle would actually become like a fifth leg. And this thing would open up and be 55 gallons of just, you know, pure charcoal fire. It was awesome. It was like the craziest thing. You could have two big, huge grills on it, and you could just cook like a thousand things at once. It was, it was absolutely insane. And eventually, that all winded down. And it was time that we were actually going to move out of Flint. So our house was going to get a facelift. We were going to put it up on the market. See, it's, it's kind of weird. Like, my dad didn't want me going to Flint schools anymore. I just finished eighth grade, and the schools were actually going pretty downhill pretty fast. My middle school had a lot of, a lot of drugs and kind of guns in it, and there were kids that were literally driving to school in eighth grade. Like, they just kept showing up, never passed the grade, but kept showing up. I don't think kids aged out of school back then, maybe, or, or maybe they did, but it wasn't until 17 or 18. Uh, the school was eventually shut down a few years later, but it was really bizarre to see kids, like, driving their cars to school in eighth grade and, like, parking on the street and just walking in, like, no big deal. It was, it was very strange. So after eighth grade, my dad kind of had to make a choice. Send me to a high school that was much worse than where i just come from, or we had to move somewhere outside the city to another school district. Uh, we actually picked up and moved to another city about 30 miles outside of Flint called Flushing, where we rented this little two-bedroom house while our Flint house was going to be on the market. So kind of a cool thing, just a few months earlier, my dad had actually bought in to this family vending business that my two other uncles started and had been running for like 25 years. It was a uh, pretty awesome, pretty lucrative for them. And my dad got to buy into it. So this was really great for my dad because not only did it give him a steady income, but the new office was just down the road from our new house, which was awesome. So short commute, always good. But, you know, it's weird. So in Flushing, our house was on the same street as the high school, about five minutes from the downtown area. Flushing's a pretty small place. Uh, the downtown area was like two blocks long and traffic light and had an A&W and wasn't really all that exciting, but you know, pretty quickly I met some other skater kids from me just kind of skating around looking for stuff to do and curbs to hit. And uh, I kind of started skating with these kids, and it was pretty cool. Like one kid I met, the first guy I met was named uh, Sean, and he quickly kind of introduced me to the other skaters around town. And it was cool. Like all the skaters were like, "Yeah, like we got another one." It was it was pretty cool because such a small town, and you know, all these kids came from really different backgrounds. And so we all just kind of hung out together. It was like a local riffraff crew. I spent about four months in that school and made a ton of friends. 
It actually started out really rough for me because I was just kind of this different outsider kid from Flint. And, uh, but in the end, I made tons of, tons of friends and actually ended up pretty well. But, you know, coming from Flint, my academic learnings were so far behind these kids in Flushing. These kids were so far ahead of me. And, and that literally, I almost flunked out of school. Uh, the first semester, I had the worst grades of any, any semester of my life of all time. And I wasn't an amazing student when I was younger, but I was now like a stellar, not amazing student. Um, the opposite of amazing. So, I mean, me flunking out or almost flunking out was kind of more on me. I mean, it was really a, you know, I'd come home every day and I would drop my books and I'd go out and I would grab my skateboard and go out skating with my friends and go to this middle school. We skated all the time and I would come home at dark and then, you know, take a shower and go to bed. And that was, that was it. It's pretty crappy that my dad had to make this call to move us to Flushing to really better my education. And it was a total flop, 100%. But it was 100% on me. That was my fault. Now I'd put us in this situation that he had to make another call. And he did absolutely not want to do this because, you know, it was always him and I growing up. It was always him and I doing things together. And his next plan was to ship me south of the city to a city called Grand Blanc to live with my mom. This kind of stuff happens to kids all the time. And it's awful, but sometimes it's pretty necessary. So Grand Blanc, totally different than where I grew up. Um, it was kind of like, to me, it was kind of like the, the 90210 of like the Flint area when it was kind of a preppy school. I mean, if you knew someone that drove a fancy car, or had a big house, you kind of assumed they lived in Grand Blanc. It was a thing. Um, and people would actually call it Grand Blanc because it was, oh, Grand Blanc, okay. Like it was like this nice, amazing place, um, much different than Flint. I never, ever thought I would live there in a million years. So I'm, I'm sure a lot of people listening come from broken homes, and it's actually more common these days than not. And my mom's house was a whole lot different. She lived in Grand Blanc with my brother and my stepdad. Her house was very much a, like a take your shoes off when you come in, don't touch anything, ask before you eat anything, don't open the refrigerator. It was just a different kind of place. It was basically the exact opposite of my dad's house. Um, I moved in over Christmas break in the middle of my freshman year. I just want to take a second to say that academically, this was actually the best move for me. I was able to get caught up and get back on track 100% due to my stepdad, Jim, who sat down with me every single night and went through my homework. And he would literally explain algebra to me 10 different ways until I would get it. Like he would have an equation and we would go through it part by part by part over and over and over again until I understood, until I figured it out. Um, he held me accountable and gave me like the confidence that I could do it. Up until that point, no one had ever really held me accountable for the work that I was doing. I mean, my teachers, but if you didn't do it, you didn't do it. It was crazy. Like, if I failed, when I was working with him, if I failed and got stuff wrong, it was okay. Like he, It was okay for me to fail, which this is probably the first time that I really felt like understood, you know, I could actually fail at something. And what would happen was I would fail and and we would literally just walk through the steps and see where I went wrong. And we would figure out how to fix it without him taking the time to sit down with me and talk through these equations. I definitely would have not succeeded in passing those classes. So also in this house, my brother Jason lived with us and um, he was, you know, he's a few years older than me and two years older than me. And he was two grades ahead of me. 
And, you know, we grew up together in the same house and for a lot of years. And we eventually, he moved in with my mom. I moved in with my dad. It was one of those, you know, weekend on, weekend off kind of things. But, you know, we grew up with the same parents, kind of doing the same things. But as we grew up, we went down very different paths. He was way into heavy metal and leather jackets. And his room was like this crazy shrine to Iron Maiden. He had Eddie posters, like every Eddie poster possible on the walls. So Eddie, in case you don't know, Eddie's like the the official mascot of Iron Maiden. You know, they put him in all these scenes and images. And um, he had posters of Stranger in a Strange Land and the Tail Gunner, Number of the Beast, the Trooper, Peace of Mind. It was actually pretty awesome to walk in there because it was really well done. And uh, he had a huge waterbed, tons of cassettes, and he also had his own phone line. This was like a total 16-year-old metalhead's paradise. It was awesome. My brother was a total stoner, and his friends were stoners. They all rocked these mullets and had the tight holy jeans with leather jackets. Funny, I remember like after report cards would come out, you would see his friends showing up at the bus stop or wherever with new short haircuts because their parents made them uh, cut their hair and cut their mullets for having bad grades. That was like the thing. Like you get a bad grade, you get your haircut. It was awesome. All these guys would show up making fun of each other with these short haircuts. It's pretty funny. Let me just look quickly, like clarify that. My my brother is, is whatever he did and has been doing and has done. You know, he was my big brother. He's my protector, always looking out for me. Uh, at school, he literally made these dudes cry that were bullying me. And he was totally the toughest dude in pretty much any room he was in. And But he had the biggest heart, pretty much anyone I knew and anyone I ever met. And he got into more fights than I could count. And he had a reputation for just leaving a trail of beaten up dudes behind him. And he's a total magnet for trouble. If there was some trouble to get in, he would find it every time. He had a lot of quote-unquote accidents. And I don't mean like normal people where you slip and fall and, you know, you hurt yourself. I mean more like accidents from doing something totally dumb. Uh, here's a great example. So when we were kids, we used to hang out in our front yard all the time. Like, you know, me and my buddies played uh, music with us and we skateboarded together. And we did all these things. We're always hanging out in front of our house just throwing footballs, and whatever it was we were doing. We never had any problems. My brother gets dropped off one day, for the, just for the weekend, to, from my mom's house, and he's hanging out in the front yard, and he's there for like probably 10 minutes. He comes running into the house, and he has blood all over his face. And I was like, dude, what happened to you? And he's like, there were these dudes driving down the street, and they threw a 40 bottle and hit me in the head. And I'm like, how does that only happen to him, right? Like, we've been out there for years just hanging out, and no one's ever bothered us. No one's talked to us. You know, everyone's friendly, whatever. It's funny. Like, I knew my brother better than anyone, and I think that he forgot that sometimes. Like, we grew up together, and, you know, we were, like, glued to the hip for years, and the truth is that there was always another side of the story, right? And he, I don't know what really happened in the front yard that day because he was the only one out there. Here's what probably happened. Some dudes probably drove by in a car, and my brother probably said, them, said something stupid to them. And there was an altercation. And they probably threw a 40 bottle and hit him in the head. And then they sped off. So part of the story was true. That some dudes hit him in the head with a 40 bottle. I mean, the blood was real. He was definitely bleeding from the head. But there was always the little bit of details that were just a little bit off. And my brother kind of lived in that, in that world for, for a very long time. You know, so, so let's jump back into the... The, the transferring school thing for a second. So um, first day of school, my brother and I, 
um, were going to ride the bus. So my brother usually rode the bus to school, according to my mom. And so my mom told my brother, hey, make sure you show your brother how to ride the bus. And I think what she meant was like, you know, like how to get on the bus and how to get off. Where does it drop me off? Where do I, you know, get on it? Stuff like that. And so, you know, we started school at 745. So we're heading out around like 640 in the morning. And, and I remember it being walking down the street and I remember being wintertime. It was really cold. So this is, you know, just after Christmas break in Michigan. And, you know, there's a few inches of snow on the ground. And we start walking down the street and we get like three houses down from my house. And there's like these big pine trees that are kind of in our neighbor's front yard. And we're just kind of standing by these pine trees. And we stopped for a second. I kind of looked at my brother. I'm like, uh, is this the bus stop? And no, no sooner than I get those words out of my mouth, here comes his stoner girlfriend barreling around the corner in her red Buick Skyhawk, windows down, music blasting. And she stopped and she was like, get in. And this was literally something totally out of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. It was definitely like just a straight up Spicoli moment. Um, we were definitely not riding the bus. There was no, there were no bus to be had uh, this day. So we get to school and we park in the lot and one of my brother's friends pulls out this big joint. And my brother's like, yo, like my little brother's in the car. Like, what are you doing? And which I thought was pretty cool. Like he was always protective of me. He never wanted me to be around that stuff. I was always thankful for that. You know, of course I got out and he's like, yep, so walk up here and go into this door. And, you know, they blazed up and that's just what they did. So, so we end up, we did end up riding the bus home. And so when we got home, my mom was like, Hey, how was the bus? And we were like, you know, fine. Okay. It was one of those things. just like my brother would do. Uh, it was true because we did ride the bus home. So we weren't lying, but at the same time, we didn't ride it both ways. So just it's always in the details, man. He hundred percent walked that line all the time. So after about three months of me living there, my brother actually ran away from home and I ended up moving into his room, which I wasn't a super Iron Maiden fan, but I got the big water bed. I got the tape player. I got access to all the cassettes. I got my own phone line. Like it was bittersweet for sure. But you know, nonetheless, your older brother goes out, you're going to move into a spot and you know, you feel kind of cool. So I ended up running into my brother like four months later. I hadn't seen him in forever. And I ran to him in this place in downtown Flint called the Capitol Theater. There was a metal show playing that night and Bent Overkill was playing. And I was walking by the bar and all of a sudden I feel someone grab me and grab my arm. And I heard, hey, little brother. And I turned around and it was my brother just standing there. And he was wearing these like holy Levi's with some big tongues Adidas high tops. He wasn't wearing a shirt, which was kind of normal for being at this Overkill show. But he did now have a shaved head. It was like Bic bald and he had giant flame tattoos that started from about his hairline going back to about the middle of his head. And I gave him a big hug and I was, I was like, oh man, good to see you. Like, it's awesome. And he asked if I need anything and I was like, no, I'm good. But he gave me 20 bucks out of his sweaty drunken pocket anyway. And he was like, here, man, have dinner on me. And then he disappeared into a sea of like sweaty, you know, drunken moshers. And I didn't see him again for a few months after that. This is about the same time that my dad actually moved back from Flushing to Flint. He had his house up on the market in Flint, but the market wasn't doing so well. His house didn't sell, but now it's all fixed up in brand new shape again. So he just moved back in. My brother actually struck a deal with my dad that he was going to move in with my dad when my dad moved back into that house. And we had this idea at the time 
that we were going to turn our garage into kind of like an apartment type space. And my dad pulled off the roll up door and we put up these kind of barnwood front with these windows kind of attached to it. And it was, we painted it to match. It was like this cool little bachelor pad. It wasn't finished inside yet, but my brother had moved a bed out there and was kind of crashing out there anyway. I think my brother lived there for maybe a few weeks until he ran away and stayed with one of his buddies. And my dad always gave him so much space and always gave him another chance. But I guess my brother didn't really like any sort of rules over him and he just, he just couldn't handle it. So at that time, my drums and people I was playing with, you know, we were all in the basement and it was like this concrete basement. It was super loud. So with the new garage getting a facelift, it was like the bedroom situation all over again. Like he rolled out and we rolled in. The garage wasn't finished, but there was insulation on the walls, but no drywall and no ceiling. Uh, There was a stack of drywall in the corner that was just kind of sitting there for a few months. And my buddies and I eventually finished the garage with some help from one of our friend's uncles. And he came over and mudded and taped the whole thing in like 45 minutes. We sanded it, painted it, threw down some carpet, and it became like the band hangout space for the next few years. It was awesome. That garage, we did everything in that thing. We had small skate ramps, and we had guitars and drums and a TV and VCR and full refrigerator and couches. It was awesome. It was like this cool little hangout space for just me and my friends, and we'd just be in there just doing what we do and playing music and watching skate videos, and I spent all my time in there. I spent so much time in there playing drums and just watching TV and literally MTV all the time. It was awesome, and we would just play music. And in the wintertime, we had this uh, little heater. In the summer, we had a window air conditioner. There wasn't really much you could do to keep us out of that garage. It was, a, it was an awesome, awesome time, an awesome space for us kids to hang out. So, you know, looking back on these things, like it seemed normal because I was there um, living in it and it was reality. But really, like I think something's kind of messed up. Like looking back at it, just the way things kind of happen. And I think that that happens a lot. It's like the forest through the trees kind of stuff. When you're in it, it just seems normal. Um, You know, my brother always struggled with drugs and drinking and the law and just, you know, parental rule. Uh, He was a total magnet for trouble. And it really all came down to decisions for him. And I think that was his crux. If it was a choice to go left and everything would be okay, or a choice to go right, and there was a risk of danger and excitement, he would choose to go to the right every single time without fail. It's kind of sad to say, but having him in my life was like having a book of things not to do in life. And he was writing it for me every single day. Maybe this was his way of protecting me. Maybe he was doing all of these things to himself. So I would know what would happen to me if I did these things. He was always trying to protect me and look out for me. And I'll always be grateful for that. My brother Jason passed away in 2008 in the exact garage that we're talking about. It was awful, but I learned a lot from him and I learned a lot from, from our time together. And, and one thing I really learned is that, you know, two brothers can grow up in the same house with the same parents and the same opportunities and you can end up going down very, very different roads. Um, and apparently this is a lot more common than I thought. I think the more and more I kind of ask around to people about their brothers and sisters and how I find out how my friends, specifically their sisters or brothers, are so much different than them, 
I don't know if necessarily that's an us thing. I just think it's kind of a our generation thing. So we kind of see that quite a bit. I also learned that people learn differently and then it's okay to fail. Like my stepdad taught me this and it was a very short section of this podcast, but he taught me that, you know, failing means that you probably tried and something just went wrong along the way. Like it's just that simple. You know, retrace your steps and figure out where things went wrong and do your best to fix them. You know, after looking back at this 25 years later, um, I really learned that sometimes parents have to make a call. It may not seem like the right call to you at the time, but they are doing the best they can with what they have. If you're a kid and you're listening to this, cut your parents some slack. They were a kid once too, and they probably understand more than you think. That's all I got for this one. Thanks for checking out the Hustle the Most podcast. This was episode seven. Check out more stories, photos, and connect with me at hustlethemost.com. If you're listening on iTunes, give us a like, give us a share, give us a review. We'll see you on the next one.